Welcome in to Bears Weekly, a Chicago Bears Network production. Download the Chicago Bears official app, brought to you by Verizon, to follow the team on the go. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Bet Rivers, CDW, Connie's Pizza, and Miller Lite. Now it's time for Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears, Jeff Junia, on the new Bears Radio Network. Momentum building towards the start of the 2023 NFL season with Phase 3 of the offseason program getting underway this week up at Hallis Hall. It's OTA season, and we're going to break it down tonight on Bears Weekly here on ESPN Chicago 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. Good to have you alongside. I'm Jeff Joniak, and as always, my broadcast partners, Tom Thayer, and from Sirius XM NFL Radio's Moving the Chains, former Bears quarterback Jim Miller. We're here until 7 tonight. Our producers, Dan Brilli, Jordan Treadup, William Bridgeforth, and uh, we're also joined by executive producer, Bears Radio Network, Eric Ostrowski. Thank you for taking care of business at the ESPN 1000 Studios. Fellas, how we feeling? Tommy, you're almost back. You got a couple uh, couple days left in Maui. We'll be looking forward to you and uh, get you out there at some OTAs. But uh, you've heard about it. You've read about it. Uh, you know exactly what goes into these things. And I will say the uh, optimism is high. Uh, just watching everybody, pretty good turnout, too. Well, you know, optimism from the other side of the desk or the podium where the players and coaches are being interviewed are different from those of us that look at it from the front of the table. Because, you know, these, this is the second time around for Matt Eberflus. We all have a better understanding what he's about. I think they brought in some free agents. I, I love listening to Edmonds. I think he's a super talented football player, but he means as much in the locker room. And so I think you have to, you know, the expectations have to be increased significantly, Jeff. There's no way that because they were 3-14, and 14, you can't have that mentality going in at the start of OTAs. Everything has to be expectations, you know, of division-winning football team, that you're going to come out here and you're going to turn this thing around quickly, improvements significantly in some key positions. And we'll see how it goes. But I like listening to Matt, and I like listening to the other players at the podium. Hey, Jim, this is not a typical 3-14 and 14 team coming back because so many games were close last year. The feeling was very strong in that locker room. There was competitiveness. Guys uh, undrafted fighting for jobs. Those guys now are in year two fighting for jobs again and maybe walking around with a little bit of chest out. Uh, hey, you know what? I, I earned a few stripes last season in my NFL. Is that all fair? You've been on teams that haven't done well and come back the next year and have really stormed everybody. Do you, do you sense despite some still areas of need here that this could be that type of team? Yeah, I think this team, you know, they're not starting from square one, you know, that that's for sure. They've laid a foundation. There is a expectation. They know, uh, as Tom said, going into the second year of Matt Everflus, what those expectations are. And now you can quick, you know, quickly bring, the other players along who they drafted and anybody new in, in free agency, they'll pretty much fall in line pretty quickly because everybody else has that base underneath them of what uh, the expectation is, how the practice, how the meetings go, all the routines that have been put in place last year. So it could, should go much quicker, but in the same sense, you're still starting from square one because every year is a new year. You know, it starts over the install from uh, the play, the techniques, how they're done, all that. Uh, yeah, will be repetitive, but that has to uh, to be you know gone over with a, a fine tooth comb so that guys understand what they need to do uh, to execute. And so, you know, it's uh, 
you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of effort. Uh, and hopefully it's worth it to all those players because I think they understand where they want to get to. We bring this up every year with OTAs, the, the value of them. Uh, the union obviously is adjusted in agreement with the NFL on offseason uh, work and how much you can do and how intense it can be. Uh, but I was talking with Jimbo Covert at practice yesterday. The Hall of Fame left tackle was there observing, and uh, I just let him go, man. It was fun to talk to another offensive lineman uh, with, with his opinions on how things are done today. But, you know, he was talking about his time, Tommy and, and Jim, in the mid-'80s and, and uh, into the early-'90s. You know, there was no OTA program, obviously. We've discussed that with you guys in the past. But he goes, these guys, they need this. And he was impressed by the type of drills, the intensity of the drills, the speed of the drills, the different types of things. He even saw the offensive lineman doing with the, with the medicine ball, hitting it back and forth, uh, using quickness of hands. He goes, this is, he kept saying, interesting, interesting. I like that. I like that. And, and I, I like it too. And I do think it's important to get these guys acclimated. And yes, there's going to be a month of downtime, Tommy, uh, <laughs> after mid-June until mid-July, and you'll have to refresh again. But just to get them, get their feet wet, and bringing together uh, 90 guys uh, to get to know each other and get to know what the expectations are to practice. Yeah, you know, the thing about OTAs, especially a seasoned, um, you know, ex-NFL player like Jimbo Cobra, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players in the NFL the minute he walked into the building. You know, yeah, we didn't have OTAs, but we also went through a two a month and a half of double day <clears throat> sessions right. and full pass. So I would take the alternative. If I was a modern day player, I would rather go to OTAs to have the training camps that these guys go through because I think you have a chance to get stronger, put more effort into the weight room, and be prepared when the regular season starts. Whereas we went through an atmosphere in Platteville that we were beat up so badly at the end of training camp, you know, and then you don't have any time for recovery. So, you know, uh, Jimbo's a unique guy because, you know, you think of Jimbo Cobra being a Hall of Fame left tackle and you think about all the different structures. Jimbo played left tackle out of a right-handed stance. He didn't, you know, it wasn't this, oh, we got to change the balance and your push-off leg's going to be different in all these little changes that they try to make to college players. It's not a necessity. You know, you go and you, you do it, but Jimbo Covert, the reason he's in the Hall of Fame and what he was able to accomplish in that position, you know, he's he's one of the oddities, but he's also one of the best. Jim, at the same time, he had to talk Coach Ditka and Dick Stanfield into it, though. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And they didn't necessarily like, even the footwork drills, he said, hey, you know, how about, how about something a little different that we did over at Pitt? And eventually... Some of that trickled into the to the plan, but uh, I would imagine it's a harder sell for today's young players to make that kind of uh, a pitch to a head coach or a position coach, right? <laughs> yeah, well, especially when you don't have any experience playing, you know, so yeah. it's hard for a coach to to buy into that. But you know, this part of the year it is so important because everything's alignment and, and assignment. Yeah, they're not out there hitting. Yeah, it's still intense, but this is where you go over all the different looks, you know, as Tom knows, you know, you're going to have an outside zone run that could be run against multiple fronts. Or what if the defense stunts or what if they slant uh, a certain way or they pinch or all these things that they can do. And you're trying to get all those assignments and how they can change 
for the same play. It still may be uh, outside zone uh, run 36, but it's blocked differently against all those different fronts, whether it's an over, whether it's an under. And so it's more assignment uh, driven to where you know your assignments and what you're going to do. Of course, you're working on your techniques as well, but that those techniques really don't come into play until you put the pads on, you know, where you get all these reps and now you hope all that technique kicks in that, uh, you know, from the reps that you've gained in OTAs and it really hopefully will carry over. You know, Jim, one of the things I noticed yesterday and Tommy is that uh, the communication between players, forget about the coaches for a minute, was very different than a year ago. Uh, the veteran players, even a guy like Chase Claypool, trying to explain a couple things to, to Robert Tunyon, the new tight end, um, and I, and Justin was very, um, a very different approach, meeting guys off the field, putting his arm around the guys, talking, talking the offense, they're talking business, the business on the field. And that was, that's a very strong direction that they're taking right there, Jim. Yeah, I think, you know, all those things, you know, for Robert Tanyan, maybe it's a, a certain look or a certain coverage defensively and may, say it's a two man. All right. And, uh, you know, say he's supposed to take the the middle read, but maybe he's got the option on two man to, to turn it out, which is a, a good way to uh, to get uncovered in that specific coverage where he may look like he's taking the middle. All of a sudden he makes a, a sharp hook and maybe Justin's going over something like that. I'm just using this as an example. Hey, man, we get that two man coverage again. This is what I'm expecting, especially if that guy's right in your trail hip of, of, of your pocket. Here's a good way that we can uncover. But we've got to be on the same page. We've got to read it the same way and see it the same way. And that's those are the things you're communicating of maybe certain expectations versus coverages or fronts or or whatever. Uh, it could be anything that they're discussing, offensive linemen to, to tight ends or offensive line to quarterback, you name it, all those discussions, this is a great place for it to, to happen and unfold. Hey, Tom, real quick, I, I, I got to tell you, the offensive line is the is the tallest. I, I can't remember any – listen to these numbers now. And, and everybody was talking about it on the sideline yesterday, even Jimbo. So Darnell Wright, 6'5", uh, Dieter Iceland, 6'4", 6'6", uh, Josh Luggies out of Notre Dame, undrafted rookie free agent. 6'8", Roy Mbetatika out of Nigeria. You got a 6'5", Braxton Jones. You got a 6'5", and 7'8", USC uh, undrafted Robert Haskins, a tackle. You got a 6'5", Alex Leatherwood. Lorenz Metz. He is 6'9", 316, playing guard at Cincinnati, out of Cincinnati. Uh, a six six five Larry Borum, a six almost six six Tevin Jenkins, a six seven Kellen Deesh, an undrafted player a year ago that came to the Bears out of Arizona State, and a six six Gabriel Huey out of Pittsburgh. What is going on? Hey, better have bendability. You know, it, it, height doesn't impress me because it's not. It doesn't all of a sudden make you a good offensive lineman if you're running to the line of scrimmage and you're six whatever. If you don't have bendability and striking power and feet and balance, you know, sometimes that can be a detriment to your success. If you play tall out of your stance and all of a sudden you're losing leverage to these guys and then you're getting pushed around. So it's something, you know, uh, yeah, obviously there's guys all over the NFL that are getting bigger and stronger and all that stuff. But, you know, you better accompany weight room strength with that type of height. And so I don't mean to be a, a downer. I'm just saying you better to put the, your athleticism on display 
if you're going to bring in, you know, guys that are that tall. Coming up next, one of those offensive linemen, first team left guard at the moment, Tevin Jenkins will join the program with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Chicago Bears Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Bears Weekly here on ESPN Chicago AM 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. Jeff Joniak joined by Tevin Jenkins, the third-year offensive lineman for the Chicago Bears. I mean, it goes fast, my friend. Yeah, it does. I mean, just yesterday, I felt like I just got drafted, especially with the draft. It came back like a couple weeks ago. You know, it's like a lot of feelings happen when it happens. But uh, looking back at it now, time does really go by very fast. Like, it's it doesn't – it doesn't slow down for anybody, but, you know, it looked like it had to happen in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it forces you not only to adjust to a new lifestyle, a new environment, uh, but maturity. I mean, you gotta, <laughs> you got to be a man in a hurry in this league, don't you? Yeah, yeah, especially, like, coming with now, you know, we're trying to be more of an advanced football team than we were last year. You know, you got to mature a lot faster than you think, and I'm trying to fill that role where they can, where I can be accountable. We often uh, refer to year three as a takeoff year for guys, rookies. You know, uh, when you come in, you, you get your feet wet, you get adjusted. Second year, you make a, a rise, you start a games, and now the year three is take. Do you look at it the same way? Have they they've impressed upon you that this year three is a takeoff year? Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, ultimately, I like to think it as my prove year, and uh, I would assume everybody around me was uh, think the same. And for me, for this year. I'm expecting big things out of myself, and uh, so is the people in the front office and everybody around me. Can you outline it a little bit about your own expectations? Uh, my expectations is to, you know, last year I feel like I gave up too many pressures, even like too many sacks. I, my goal for this year is always going to be zero sacks for myself and, and the whole line. But uh, going into this year, I just want to be a dominant force and somebody that can be accountable for my team. Yeah. You know, the running aspect of things, though, too. I mean, everybody focuses on pass protection. Obviously, we got this dynamic quarterback here, Justin Fields, you want to protect. But, I mean, you guys led the league in rushing, in large part to what he did, but also in large part to what you guys did up front. Uh, is, is that still a point of emphasis? I know Coach Eberflus is changing things up a little bit in the OTAs and how you go about fitting up in the run game, just the walkthrough as opposed to uh, the way they did it last year. And he's still making that emphasis. Do you feel that, too, that they want to put it on you guys on the offensive line? Yes, yes. You know, we pride ourselves in our run game. You know, that's going to be our uh, bread and butter, basically. It's going to be who we are. It's how we set the tone. And the thing is, even though we led the league in rushing last year, we feel like we lost, uh, we left a lot out on the field last year. Like, we could have been a lot better than we were. There's certain things on outside zones, inside zones that, that could be fixed technique-wise. And instead of it could have been a 70-yard game, could have been like 40. Now we had – like two thousand yard rushers instead of one. Like we could have had uh, four thousand yards instead of three thousand. Like we could have been a lot better than we were. You're a story, and we're with Tevin Jenkins, Bears' uh, third year offensive lineman, making the switch as of right now from right to left side of the offensive line. Uh, it's not so simple for the layman to say, ah, it's just you know you're playing off. Mm. Explain the differences. Uh, differences, you know, once your body gets conformed and comfortable to a certain side like with your footwork when you start putting it towards the other side it's a, like a whole new thing because now you got to shift your weight your muscles are used to going a certain way and pushing off a certain foot so now you're basically doing that uh, all over again to the other side now you're getting 
a little sore on your knees because, wow, like I haven't pushed off this knee since a couple years ago. And now you're going to start working it. And now you also have a new guy next to you because he was not going to be on the same side because you got moved. So now instead of working right tackle with my right tackle, now I got to work with my left tackle. So it's a whole different game going on there. And there's a whole bunch of communication-wise that we got to get used to with each other as well. And he and he's learning, too. You're referring to Braxton Jones, uh, a kid who just impresses me every second I talk to him. We had him on, I think, last week on our show. And just so uh, such a delightful young man and cares about the game in a way that uh, is almost rare. I mean, he just, he, you know, you can hear it. You can hear the wheels turning. He's constantly trying to work on every little aspect of his game, which, you know, this is a fleeting opportunity when you think about a career in the NFL. If you can get to 10 years, you know, you've done well. How do you look at him and how you're going to help each other, Braxton Jones? Uh, I see him as a great football player, first and foremost. You know, I see him one dude who comes in and wants to work at the minute details that will make him not only a great player, but like an amazing player. Like, I can see the potential in him myself and seeing. Uh, what he can be and how much I can help him uh, along with how much he can help me. You know, it's a, it's a back and forth thing between guards and tackles. So as soon as I could be able to earn that trust in him that I could do it and he can trust me to be there on any slide sides, any double teams, uh, I feel like we're me and him are going to have a great year. He's a nice guy. Oh. You're a nice guy. You guys are nice guys. But on Sundays, Thursdays, Monday nights, you're not nice guys yeah. on the field. Yeah, He's a very physical player, too, playing that left tackle position, especially when he fires off and, and, and gets in that run mm-hmm. mode as well. Do you guys have a similar mindset now on that left side? Yeah, I would like to think so. We have that uh, that work uh, work fun switch that always gets preached to us, even with uh, C- or Coach Morgan. Since we're on the radio, guys, you know, make sure. Well, yeah, some people don't know who Simo yeah. is, right? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, Chris Morgan, Chris Morgan. Yeah, yeah. So when we're on the field, you know, we know that it's time to work. We got to be on our stuff, me and him, going on double teams, uh, ripping off the ball as fast as we can because that's our motto on O-line. Like, we're trying to be the fastest people off the ball. And if we can do that with me and Braxton, there's a lot of people that get moved a lot faster because we can definitely move a lot of people just me and him. It's Tevin Jenkins with us here on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 of the Bears Radio Network. Jeff Joniak here. We'll rejoin Tom Thayer and Jim Miller uh, in our next segment. What's different right now? What's different in this building? Uh, Some really talented players have come in by way of free agency trades and the draft. What's your perspective because you've been here for a couple of seasons? Uh, I say the perspective right now is uh, very high of the people in the building. You know, we got a lot of optimistic views going on for us right now. Uh, we are very fine. We're getting fine-tuned in our techniques. We're getting great players, like you said. Uh, we're trying to beat all of our records we had last year, especially with the Russian record. You know, we have a lot of people that can and will do that this year, and I believe that we will go far. So on this offensive line right now, there are four drafted players, not by this administration specifically. And when I look at Cody Whitehair competing for that center job and, and the addition of Nate Davis at right right guard, big Darnell at right, right tackle, I've always felt it was important to draft your offensive line mm-hmm. and have that offensive line then grow as opposed to a, a lot of free agent additions. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they're veterans, it, it does take time to get chemistry. Is it cool that they're drafting their offensive line for the future. I mean, it seems to be that's the case. Yeah, I think that's actually very cool. I mean, 
it's very hard to do that because, you know, people like this is a veteran, like we want to bring in the big name guy. He's going to help us out. But, you know, it's hard. It's hard for front offices. I've had these talks before with other people, you know, around the league. And, of course, you want to bring in your own guys. You want to draft them, bring them in. You know, that's, you want to build them up yourself, which is amazing. It's a great thought. I mean, but ultimately it will come down to it. You know, they're going to do what they think is best as bringing in free agencies. Why are you going to be better this season? Beyond the X's and O's, the understanding of the offense now for a second year, having worked with, with Justin Fields uh, in the past, but just mentally, physically, and, and how you approach the game. Is it all right if I keep it simple? You do whatever you have to do, my friend. Uh, just keep it basic it's just because I need to. Yeah. They need me to, and I need to for myself. Sometimes it hasn't been that way? Hmm? Is Sometimes it hasn't been that way for you, not keeping it basic? Yeah, I mean – you know, I'd get too try to get too fancy with certain things, you know, and it just I just need to be who I am, and that's what the team needs. Hit the guy across from you and clear some space, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a big off season for you and our remaining moments here with Tevin Jenkins. Congratulations on your marriage. I know this this woman has been a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. You brought her up many times in interviews that we've done and and, yeah. and with the media. Uh, how cool was it? And you guys were down in Dallas getting hitched. Yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you know those stories that you hear about the the groom doesn't do anything. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't plan like anything. You know, she told me to get certain things done. When I'm away, got it done. I made sure I got my own suit, paid for that. You know, I <laughs> I did the things I had to do. You know, she made it like a wonderful thing. You know, I saw the venue. I was like, all right, I don't see the vision right now. But you, she's like, just wait, hold on, let's just be, just trust me. You know, and. And the, the, so the day comes, I'm going in there. I'm over blown away by, you know, we have lights everywhere. That it's always, it was all one dude who made like the lights happen, like floral decorations, all this stuff. It was, it was like we had a dance floor. Uh, it was really nice. Uh, there was like a little like uh, farmland behind us. So they had like kind of like uh, longhorns as well. So even if you take pictures like outside, you could get them in the background. Uh, we had like a nice little chapel. Uh, Pastor Teddy, who's our team chaplain, uh, he actually I actually uh, got him down there, and he got me and uh, my wife married. So that was nice. a nice thing. We we had uh, those marriage talks with him, and our like beliefs talks as well as all that. So we were more comfortable with him going with him because he's, you know we've had those experiences that with him. So we felt more comfortable going with him instead of trying to find somebody down in Texas that we wouldn't know. Yeah, kept it in the family. Yeah. And and some teammates came down, too. I know Justin was there. Mm-hmm. I don't recall who else came down, but uh, how did that uh, make you feel? Uh, it made me feel really good inside that I actually have teammates that would actually care to be there for me outside of football. Like, you know, we we try to say we make great like teammates, great friends in the building, but once we get outside the building, are you still going to be my friend, you know? But it's great to see them come all the way down to Texas I didn't mean I didn't expect them to, but just to see them do that out of their like kindness of the heart to come down there and actually be there for me and be there for my wife and my family in that moment, it was. It was I'm very appreciative of it. Awesome. Well, I know it's uh, a lot of work yet to to get to a week one of this season, but I know everybody in the building is bubbling with optimism. It's a young team again, and the competition is going to be fierce. Uh, last question: do, do you expect it to be that way at training camp? All positions. I mean, there's a lot of young guys that played last year, and those guys. 
you know, they walk away. Hey, I want to play now, right? <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of new guys who are going to try and take those jobs. So what do you? What are your expectations of that during training camp? Just in general, uh, a lot of competition. Yeah. I mean, this is what it's going to be. I feel like a year after year, it's what it is. Like you got to keep on fighting for your job, earn the spot that you're getting, and earn the right to be on that field. I mean, even if I was like an eight year vet or something, I would want to just keep on fighting for my spot no matter what. I don't care if you just brought in. So and so from somewhere else. This is your. This is who you need to be on the field fighting for your spot and your job. Well, good luck. It's going to be fun. Great to see you. Like the big smile on your face. You're relaxed and ready to roll. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Our pleasure. Tevin Jenkins, our guest here on Bears Weekly. When we return, Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, rejoin me. We'll break down what's ahead for the Bears during this OTA session of the season here on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. Want VIP access to every Bears home game? Exclusive seating, sideline credentials, and more are now available. Get the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. Jeff Joniak, top there. Jim Miller just heard the interview with offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins. Uh, Overall thoughts. We'll start with Tommy and head to Jimmy. You know, what comes to mind most, I like Tevin. and I I think he plays with a lot of power. But if you think of his uh, throughout his time here, because you talked about being in his third year, there's been trade talks about him. He's had back issues. He's position confusion because he was drafted to come in here and start at offensive tackle day one when they overassumed that he could play left tackle. But you know what I want for Tevin? This is all I want. I want a drama-less year. I don't want any talk of just things behind the scenes. And if I think he can leave that in his rearview rear mirror, and he said he calls it a prove-it year. If he can come out here and prove the reason that he's playing in the NFL was drafted at a high level, I think the better the offensive line will be better because of it. But I just don't want him to go to the podium and have weekly or semi-weekly issues of distractions outside the game of football. If he can do that, Tevin Jenkins has an opportunity to be, you know, have a long, successful NFL career and a, a long, successful career here at the Bears. Yeah. And I, I did. I liked what I heard from, from Tevin. I agree with Tom. You know, he's not bouncing around anymore from uh, from position to position, and he's healthy uh, now. And I think he recognized that, and you heard it in that interview. He said, hey, I just got to compartmentalize everything and keep it simple. You know, and what he played at the right guard position, now he's got to convert it over to the left side. He knows the assignments. Now it's just the repetitions doing it, you know, a different way at, at left guard and how they need to be executed. So I think the, the kiss mentality, keep it simple, stupid, I think it'll work fine for him. And that'll maintain his op- uh, his focus. And I think that's what he's trying to do. And he kind of relayed that in the interview. Tommy, is it possible or has it been your experience from watching all these last two decades plus as an analyst that young players don't keep it simple as he referred to you know he he wanted to keep it very simple and not try to invent new ways to do old things maybe that's what he was referring to I mean first of all you have to know your assignments perfectly when you break the huddle you know every single responsibility that you could have during that whole play call even if they went to the audible and yeah just keep it keep what is it going to be required of you simple? Yeah, there's times that you're going to have a more difficult assignment because of the structure of the play. But when he's working alongside of the center and alongside of the, the left tackle, 
I think Tevin has all the traits to be a dominating interior offensive lineman. So that's what he has to do. Break the huddle with mental confidence, and he'll be a more physical player. couple of great highlights yesterday, fellas. Uh, Justin Fields hanging in the pocket, waiting for a double move to be executed by DJ Moore, his new number one receiver, and then perfect placement for DJ to uh, make the catch, stumbled into the ground, and held on to the football against Kendall Vildor. Uh, it is a sign of what DJ is saying, uh, getting to know his u- new quarterback. Uh, just understanding uh, the game within the game. So understanding the quarterback's footwork on on different plays and uh, just being in the right spot when he comes back. If I'm on the backside, just knowing that, hey, I'm the backside read. Or if I'm in the front side, understanding his footwork for the front side. So just honing in on that. And Fields uh, emphasizing he feels great right now in yeah, year sure. two. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's the first, you know, season I'm going into where it's you know my second year knowing the offense so definitely feel you know more comfortable um in it just with my reads and stuff like that you know just seeing what the defense is doing and stuff like that so I mean it's it's truly amazing um when you just have that feeling going in kind of you know knowing where your guys are going to be um more comfortable with the footwork stuff so um you know it's been great got to work on stuff in the off season of you know what I need to work on and stuff like that so um yeah, just having that, you know, second year uh, experience from last year and stuff like that, just with the same offense, is it's, it's great. Uh, Jim, uh, exactly what you need to hear from your quarterback, right? Yeah, he should feel more comfortable, and I think we all know because Ryan Poles has talked about it and Matt Eberflus said he's speeding everything up. And if I were the the coaches and uh, anybody around there, even Justin Fields, I'd want to pr- uh, press that even more. What I mean by that is – for the timing and rhythm of every play, because you heard uh, DJ Moore talk about front side and then the timing could be different on the backside, I would want a buzzer at, on every single pass play. A buzzer going off to make sure that Justin knows, hey, man, you didn't get this one out on time. And it's going to force him with that buzzer as a, you know, a mental note that, hey, man, I got to speed things up. And he'll know when he didn't get the ball out on time and when he did get the ball out on time. That should always marry up, and it's going to force him and remind him every single play, pass play, what I need to get better at. Dropping back, quick feet, timing, rhythm, get the ball out. And it's just a constant reminder that he should challenge himself on every single pass play, and the coaches should challenge him too. You know, after the offensive line giving up 55 sacks last year, and Jeff, you talk about the size of some of the incoming offensive linemen. The worst thing that can happen for Justin is immediate pressure by those big, tall offensive linemen because all of a sudden that puts uh, that, you know, ejection into your head. So the offensive line is as much responsible for the passing success as Justin for Justin as him learning the offense better, and that's what the offensive line has to do. But I like Jim's thinking. He, he's got he's got the NFL version of the new pitch clock in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree 100%. I, I love it. Here was the quote of the day yesterday, though. Justin Fields, on this being a big year for other reasons than just wins and losses and the insinuation about the potential contract that could follow – with a successful season or not? I think every year is a big year. Uh, every year is a big year. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't really have anything to, you know, ex- you know expand on that. But uh, for me, every year is a, a big year, um, and I'm excited to show. Yeah. Contract in particular, the stakes are high. I'm not worried about contracts. I'm worried about wins. Um, I'm, 
I could care less. So, yeah. Okay, that that quote is going to live with them. I think fans, media, they're going to jump on that. Fans are going to appreciate it. I, I do like the conviction with which he delivered that, Tommy. Yeah, but I don't think we need to hear him say it. It's an obvious in the NFL. For a quarterback drafted as high as Justin with the type of athleticism, the different quality of traits he has, it is going to come down. Are you improving? Is this team getting better? And is it relating to wins? And then Justin's going to get a King's ransom when that opportunity comes. I'm glad he's not dwelling on it because the players that do, it kind of affects where are they? How are they performing? Are they making business decisions out on the field? And so I like what Justin said. Jim, it is a fair question to any quarterback right now, given the way the salaries are going. I mean, yeah. my goodness, you might want to start warming up that arm, buddy. Warm it <laughs> well, up. Hey, yeah, th- th- those things will take care of himself, and certainly Justin is a part of that. He has to take care of business, right? L- look at what the Giants did. They didn't put the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. They said, hey, dude, we haven't seen enough. <laughs> Go prove it. And that's why what he had to do, and I, I think that's all Justin has to do is just focus on what he needs to do, and that's to get better every single day. He's got all the talent in the world, and that'll that'll you know that'll all come to bear when when it's time to do those things. But he's got to take care of his business right now. That's Jim Miller, Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Time for a break. When we come back, uh, an adjustment to the kickoff return rule in the NFL. We'll get the reaction from Coach Eberflus and my partners here. On Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. One. This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by CDW. People who get it. Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, and Jeff Joniak with you on Bears Weekly. Good to have you alongside. All right. A lot of anger out there, fellas. A lot of anger from fans. Uh, No doubt special teams coordinators around the league. League meetings this week in Minneapolis. uh, Revealing uh, a change in how the kickoff returns will be handled, at least for one year anyway. Uh, To me, it eliminates a lot of exciting plays, similar to NCAA rules. A fair catch made uh, before the 25, puts it at the 25, no matter if you catch it on the 5, the 10, the 15, and what this will do. Uh, Initially, if I'm not mistaken, Jim, this whole thing was about uh, discouraging touchbacks, and touchbacks have gone way up to begin with, with the ball set at the 25, and then this would lead to what I would imagine are many different approaches. We'll hear from Coach Eberflus in a moment, but just your first overall reaction to it and then to Tom. Yeah, I, I personally don't like it. I think it's a, just a, another step closer to basically ridding the NFL of the kickoff return in general. I think it's the most exciting play in the game. Think of last year in Buffalo when DeMar Hamlin was back at the stadium and Naheem Himes returns two in one game, that stadium was electric, man. It was electric. So this is going to affect the game. You'll see more teams that don't really have good kick return uh, ability that they'll just say, hey, fair catch every single one. You know, a team like uh, Atlanta, because they've got Cordero Patterson, they're probably still going to let him green light and, and bring it out when it, whenever he can. And think about even the middle-of-the-line guys. I talked to Brad Seeley yesterday, former NFL uh, special teams coach, He said, you know, when I was in New England, we specifically drafted Matthew Slater for his special teams. We actually traded up to get him. And now if those become, uh, you know, a run-of-the-mill where the the returns aren't happening, teams are going to gear it differently. They won't be gearing it to draft kick returners. They won't be gearing it to draft uh, kick coverage guys. So I understand it's the the safety of the game, and we understand that for for players, but – 
You know, there are certain lines of work that are just more dangerous than others. And football is one of them. And I think to take one of the most exciting plays out of the game is, is for me, you know, because I'm more of a traditionalist, I think it's pretty sad, quite frankly. Tom, I agree with that. And it's the counter opposite of what happened when Devin Hester emerged in his 2006 rookie season. Drafts after that, teams were loading up and figuring out ways to make that special teams coverage unit significantly different, which is the total definition of what a Hall of Famer is, that you revolutionize the game in some fashion, and he was the best and will be the best ever because I don't see it going backwards. I don't see more returns and superstar returners emerging from this, Tommy. This is not not something I I love to see. I think it's a garbage football decision. Um, whoever made it, I, I think it's ridiculous because, you know, I, I played that position. I was in the wedge from my first game in the NFL to my last game in the NFL, every single game. So I know what the collisions are like, but I know what the threat of having a guy like Willie Galt back there is to a team that's trying to put their fastest guys on kickoff coverage. So what are you going to do now? Encourage fair catches and then put a bunch of extra offense and defensive linemen on kickoff coverage because you know they're not going to return it anyways. So I just I just think it's it's ridiculous that you're taking away that the excited the excitement of that play from the fans and um I'm not for it. I don't. I don't think it's really going to decrease injuries, and um, so I don't know. You know, you know how I feel about it, Jeff. Yeah, and here's the caveat: what? Yeah, that's what's next? Um, what's the next most dangerous play? Is is where it's going because there's always going to be a most dangerous play, and after you take out uh, the kickoff return, what's next? Is it the punt return? Yeah, the, the punt catcher. Yeah, I think you know it's, and you bring up a good point too, Jeff. What about players like Steve Tasker? I mean, that guy's pretty much a Hall of Famer, in my mind, with what he did. And he may get in, I don't know. But guys like him, they're, they're going to go by the way of the dodo bird, and there will never be guys like him again. Here's Coach Eberflus yesterday on the topic. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, you know, I think it'll change tactically uh, what teams are going to do. Um, because it, the rule is in now. There's nothing you can do about it, uh, but it will change. You know, I think you'll get more squib kicks. I think you'll get more drop kicks, you know, more uh, drive kicks, those types of things, and make guys return it. And I, I, I suspect you'll see more returns than less, and, but that's just what, what I'm thinking right now. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Interesting. He thinks more returns than fewer returns. And, and those squib kicks, though, can they get through the picket fence of eight guys? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing. Yeah, Brad Seeley said it's tough to do a squib kick like that, but he he already knows. He goes, here's what I would do. I would be pop kicking the ball to like the or the 18 or the 19 yard line. Get the this next set of returners. So if the returners down back at the one, kick it to like the 19 or the 20, and you're still going to have guys screaming down there. Granted, that guy will have to decide whether he's going to fair catch or not. That's what I don't understand. All those collisions are still happening until the guy raises his hand. So how have they made it safer? And so, but anyway, he said, I'm going to pop kick it down there. And if that guy elects to return it, thinking he's going to get to the 28 or 30, you're going to see a lot of returns and they are going to be physical with how they're going to be defended. It adds a layer of strategy, Tom. No question. Now we've been disappointed because you almost accept the idea. Well, they're going to kick it out of the back of the end zone. And I know how down you get when it's, Five, 
four, six, seven yards deep in the end zone and guys take it a knee or just let it fly over the shoulder and put out the arms. I mean, the days of, uh, you know, going to, to, to run to the beer stand and sitting in line and you might miss the opening kickoff and you might miss something that you're going to regret. I mean, uh, for fans and everything, it is it is the NFL version of a grand slam in the bottom yeah. of the ninth well, inning. It, it is. Like it's I, just then decrease the salary of the special teams coach by <laughs> one quarter. Wait, they, because that's they, an element of coaching that they're taking off of their plate. And so, you know, and, and to me, I like what Matt Eberflus said. I like the fact that you get an aggressive squib kicker because there's significant amount of space that if you if you hit a ball so quickly at a guy that's a defensive player or not ready to, to make a catch like that. Now all of a sudden the carom's off of it and it's an open football. And then you're going to get those types of collisions that are more like in the old onside kick. So I like Matt's way of thinking, but I still don't like what they're talking about. Hang on, Tom. It's Dave Tobe out there in Kansas City. He wants to have a word with you about his salary. Hey, <laughs> hey all 32 of these guys did not want this. Right. How well, co- how come we don't listen to some of those people? John Harbaugh is uh, you know former special teams coach. He's the head coach. Bill Belichick started out on special teams. They came out very strongly uh, against this. I, I think when you've got uh, owners who are listening, not listening to the coaches, and more than listening to you know other. Well, how should I say this politely? Uh, personnel that are, that are at the tops that are changing the game drastically in ways that I I think uh, that is happening too fast because this has been going this direction for quite some time. Yeah, and, and they insinuated that potentially more news on these topics, and it's about the return game, and we get it that the health of the players is paramount. But as Jim and Tom have indicated. Yeah, it's a collision sport. There I would say, no you know, the, the XFL and the USFL gave a couple of interesting options to be able to keep the kickoff return into the game and maybe make, um, you know, less distance between collisions where there is more blocking strategy in the kickoff return. So I'm, I'm just, you know. Hey, listen, just, the one thing I know about uh, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Tom's an idea man. So put pen to paper and get those wheels yeah. and gears turning, well, buddy. I'm with you. The XFL, how they decrease the the collisions, maybe that's a better option. You know, they're, hopefully that they go through this year and they reevaluate, and maybe they come up with a different strategy. All right, we got to take a break. Head to another segment here on Bears Weekly with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. I'm Jeff Joniak here on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. Three, two, one. Want VIP access to every Bears home game? Exclusive seating, sideline credentials, and more are now available. Get the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. My guys, Jim Miller, Tom Thayer with us here on Bears Weekly, uh, final segment of the program. Uh, one thing I got to bring up about yesterday, too. I mentioned Chase Claypool early in the program, meeting a veteran off the, uh, after a play on the sidelines, talking talking the game. Got a lot of compliments from Justin Fields. Uh Field saying, quote, he's improved tremendously from the end of last year to now. That's one thing I'm truly proud to say, seeing his work ethic, his attitude change. Uh, that's big, and it's going to be awesome, especially when Mooney comes back as he works through his injury. He's not out there just yet. Uh, I think Bears fans and all of us would be thrilled with a impact player like D.J. Moore, Chase Claypool, finding himself in, in this system and excelling, Darnell coming back healthy, and then everybody else falling into place in terms of the pieces at that wide receiver position, Tommy. 
Yeah, and I, I you know emphasize Robert Tunyon too because I think the improvement of Cole Komet, but also a, a tight end that you really don't lose anything when you bring in two tight end sets and those type of things. So again, we talk about the size that was needed by the Bears. They were able to accomplish that, but with Darnell Mooney. And uh, DJ Moore, I do think you give a little bit of interesting uh, target opportunities for Justin. Yeah, for for me, I just think if they can run the football like they did last year, their play-action game should be deadly. It should be really good at this point with adding DJ Moore, having a big guy like like Claypool, who the threat of the block's always there. They should be able to to block the outside and then start chucking guys where they can get the play-action game uh, going. And then you got the speed of Mooney and, and of course, Tunyon and other pieces to the puzzle. But their play-action game, th- that needs to be their focus. That That's an area of the Bears' offense that they, they lacked a lot of production last year, and it really needs to take hold this year. Jim, with that in mind, uh, I'm a big middle-of-the-field guy and have your quarterback just kind of eviscerated defense because the running game's so good. These guys are pulling up, and the middle of the field gets exposed. You put it underneath the safeties, uh, over the head of the linebackers. Is this going to be available to Justin, and will his eyes be able to, to handle between the hash marks, middle of the field? How deadly is that to a defense? Yeah, yeah, it should because it puts the defense in a conflict of interest. You know, when you're running, say, 34 lead, you know, four or five times a game, and then you start pulling in the play actions, hey, let's go 134 X in. Let's go 134 comeback. Let's go 134 Z in. And those guys see that same action of that 34 lead coming. Those linebackers, they're going to come up there. They're going to suck up. Everybody's going to commit to stop the run because the Bears were number one in the league and all that stuff behind it. There's nobody, man. It's it's wide open and it's there for the for the picking. So to me, that's an area that they sorely, sorely lack production last year that needs to be much bigger in their game plan this year. You know, the first sack that Justin took last year, it, he sh- it should have been simply thrown to David Montgomery on a check-down route, and David would have had significant area to run uh, for. That's where I think Justin has to become confident and comfortable by throwing that. Okay, uh, the coverage downfield is matching what the routes are. Boy, there's a simple check-down. And I think the more Justin is willing to take those types of throws rather than putting himself in a position where he gets a sack or he gets hit awkwardly as he's running towards the sideline. That's what I want to see out of the self-preservation portion for Justin is that willingness to take those types of throws. Hey, Jim, as offenses continue to spread out the defense and expand the field horizontally as well as vertically, well, will things – two of my favorite throws are, are skinny posts or, you know, not everybody's Jerry Rice with Joe Montana and Steve Young, but the quick slant and boom, uh, just run the middle of the field uh, untouched to the end zone. A guy that wasn't super fast but played the game so aggressively and ran routes so perfectly. Is that available in this offense? For this group of receivers, can we see some of that uh, that rip off big chunks or, or you know inside the 40 become a, a inside the 40 touchdown? Yeah, I think those are those are all in the game plan. If they were to go empty, and you know, you you attack the 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 coverage that's you know that you're that you're being shown. And typically, when you're an empty, typically most offense they'll have man beaters and zone beaters. So if it's man coverage and 
Maybe I can signal the slants out there. Maybe Justin can elevate his game. Hey, man, they're in single high uh, press man coverage. All right, you guys, let's. Get, I'm going to give you the go route here to DJ Moore on the outside. Or, hey, I want you to keep the slant on and work the defensive back and come across his face. So a lot of that stuff is built in, but I think a lot of that stuff also should be up to Justin to really take advantage of the coverage that he's seeing. Save even if it's press man, but the corner's got outside leverage. Hey man, give me the slant. Let's go. That's the that's the leverage you want. That you know you got a winner every time you go up there when you're just signaling routes like that. Hey Jim, did you like working outside the numbers or did you like working inside? Where where did I your like eyes both. take you? Yeah. I like both, depending on the coverage, because you got to remember a lot of the stuff carried over from Gary Croton's offense. So the quarterback was in control of a lot of it in, in shoot when we went empty. So a lot of that stuff I just signaled to, to guys. Yeah, we had some built-in routes uh, when when we called uh, some empty plays, but a lot of it was the the leverage and the technique of the corner, what I saw coverage-wise, and then I just signaled what I wanted. I could do two-man combo routes. I could signal three-man combo routes where they knew right away, hey, man, we got single high, give me the ditch. What the ditch was, you had a post with an in cut. So, and it just all presented, it was all determined by the coverage we were being presented. Tom, you're big on injuries and how the difficult ones are to come back from. You experienced plenty. You played through things and and never missed games. Uh, a fractured ankle, which is what Darnell Mooney suffered in Week 12 last year uh, in that loss to the Jets, working his way back, not out there yet. Uh, is that just a matter of uh, healing and, and so forth for a guy that, you know, use an ankle flexion to make crisp route cuts for a guy who wants to master route running is a, is a significant challenge, honestly. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's from the doctor himself and how they – repair the injury and then the rehabilitation process that he goes through. But to me, what I've seen out of Darnell Mooney, I have the same expectations for him then before the injury ever happened. Um, and it's, it's happened before in the NFL and I think Darnell will recover and he'll be, a, he'll be, he'll be an asset to this football team's receivers. All right. Couple quick hitters guys real quick. All right, Jimmy, uh, Aaron Rodgers participating in Jets OTAs, something they could have used for Romeo, Romeo Dobbs and uh, Christian Watson last year to get those young receivers acclimated. I think those folks in Green Bay are turning a snarl at that? Uh, well, of course they are, but you got to give it up to Rodgers. He's such a great team player. I mean, that's, that's you know, unfortunately it just didn't happen for the Packers. Tom, He's being Tom, a team guy now, though. Tom, Tom Brady investing in he Vegas. He pulled a calf the first day. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Tom Brady investing in the Vegas Raiders as a limited partner needing NFL approval. What uh, pops into your head when you hear that? I mean, it's a conflict of interest being a broadcaster and a team owner. So I don't want Tom Brady broadcasting the Las Vegas Raiders-Chicago Bears game. Jim? Uh, yeah, especially, is he, what, is he going to go uh, in division? Is he going to be at those practices? Because i got to believe Andy Reid and the rest of the Chargers and all them, Denver. No, no, he's the owner of the Raiders. He's not coming to our practice. To, I don't care if he's calling the game or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're out of time, guys. Always fun. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, the executive producer of the Bears Radio Network is Eric Ostrowski. Thanks to our producers at ESPN, Dan Barilli. Also, Jordan Trenup and William Bridgeforth for helping us out today. Appreciate you listening. Thank you to Tevin Jenkins. 
That has been Bears Weekly here on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. We'll talk to you next week. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears Weekly. Podcasts are available on the Chicago Bears official app. Brought to you by Verizon and Apple Podcasts. Bears Weekly has been brought to you by Bet Rivers and Miller Lite.